Welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast sponsored by Home Field Apparel. I'm Carlos at Equity Brewing. Joining me live is Avery at Brave Grapes. Today is not a great day to be a Utah Hoops fan. <laughs> uh, fellow sad boy, Greg at Bananamorphs. You still enjoying the Chip Kelly, the post-Chip Kelly era of UCLA football, <laughs> Carlos? It's been funny. Funny coaching surge. We could talk about it for a few minutes. Reed at Pac-10 Reed for the last time ever. It's not a great day to be an Oregon Hoops fan either, I gotta be yeah, honest. It's tough. Uh, there's a lot of down, a lot a lot of very sad people in the Pac-12 this week. Uh, and and kind of really for the season. We can talk a little bit about the Pac-12 broadly. Uh, anyway, like the video, subscribe to the channel, leave us a five-star review on Apple and Spotify. We would really appreciate it. There are uh, 13 people joining this live stream right now. There should be 13 likes. There should be 13 additional subscriptions. Please subscribe. Help us out. And, of course, we have Patreon content on our you, – on our we have content, football content, on our Patreon at notruckstops.com. Uh, we'll probably talk a little bit more about the Chip Kelly – post-Chip Kelly UCLA head coaching search. I will – I'm sure we'll, it'll come up here or there. There's an emergency podcast. If someone big gets hired, we'll get on to do that. But for our Patreon, we'll do an in-depth look. I'm sure by the time we do our Patreon, I have a hunch UCLA probably would have found a head coach by that point, just given how fast UCLA said they wanted to go um, and how fast coaching searches work now the days. Uh, so we'll see. Maybe maybe by then we'll have a, some time to have reflected and uh, broken that down. But if not... We'll also induct our uh, Hall of Fame, part two. We inducted some big names. If you uh, um, if you did haven't tuned into our Patreon at NoTruckStops.com, um, been fun. It was a lot of fun. People really, really liked it. So thank you all so much for that, um, for tuning in and for your patrons, patronage. NoTruckStops.com, five dollars. We really appreciate it. Okay, uh, quick quick notes. The UCLA head coaching search is going on. Uh, lots of. Uh, there's been lots of names being thrown around. I think it's – I don't think anyone actually knows anything because we've gotten some silly names. Uh, Brent Brennan was allegedly interviewed, if you asked uh, the UCLA message board writers. Uh, Arizona message board writers and other Arizona media were very quick to dispel that. Um, I guess uh, Jet Fish was interviewed. Arizona message board writers did corroborate that, um, if you believe that. <laughs> um, uh, other names: Tommy Reese, Tony White, um, Chris Horton, probably Kyle Whittingham. Chris, Chris Horton, Kyle Whittingham's <laughs> name not coming up. I think people have mostly been like, "Let's not ask. Let's not even bother. <laughs> let's, let's not even try." Can we stop? Even uh, even the ads are like, "Yeah, we're not. Uh, what's fine? We'll leave Kyle Whittingham alone." Um, a bunch of names like that have been thrown around. Um, any any big names sticking out to you? Oh, yeah, PJ Fleck now officially, I guess you could say, officially out of the running after he tweeted uh, his you know corny-ass tweet about staying in Minnesota. Any other names being thrown out there that are intriguing to you, that you're wondering about, that you think is bullshit? Um, I think it's very, very good news that PJ Fleck is out of the running for UCLA fans. That That was quickly the hire that it seemed like became the popular name in the first like 12 hours. Um, and I think that would have been a horrific hire. So in his absence, I said on the live reaction show, it felt like Tony white was the other popular name. I still, I guess would say maybe that's the leader in the clubhouse, but I don't know. Yeah. Group chats are also, uh, saying Troy Taylor, um, is a candidate. Wow. Huh. That's, that's what the group chats are saying. I don't know. Um, 
So who knows? I don't think anyone knows shit. Uh, frankly, I kind of don't. Uh, I don't. I don't really. I don't really. I, it's just been so weird how how many names have been thrown out there. Typically, I don't think coaching searches are like this. Usually, the message board writers have a are honed in on a couple, but we've gotten 10, 10 different, fifteen different names that have allegedly been interviewed. I don't know that you can trust anything right now. I don't know. Um. Anyway, so I guess we'll find out. Uh, lots of lots of names being thrown out there. How do you feel about uh, Tommy Reese? I know you two, you you two, Greg and Reed are truck stop enjoyers. Any, any thoughts on Tommy fine. Reese? I wouldn't okay. hire him to be my head coach personally. I don't think he's been particularly inspiring at Notre Dame or at Bama. Um, he's he's just fine. Like He's an okay OC. Um, yeah, he, it's just such a terrible time to be looking for a head coach. Yeah. Because like, trying to get someone away from a program that has head coaching experience is going to be hard because why would you want to leave – to go to a new team unless there's like a major incentive yeah we, at this point in the year yeah we could talk about more in depth on our patreon um at notruckstops.com uh, i guess i'll say that i kind of don't want a head a guy with head coaching experience as a ucl as someone who follows ucla uh who roots for ucla i i wouldn't want a, a guy with head coaching experience give, give me a young guy who's you know kind of hungry for the job i think i think that's been a promising path for a lot of teams and if it's not it's cheap so you can just fire them in a couple years that's what, that's what i think all right well this is the basketball episode so let's get to pac 12 basketball let's start with arizona they had a hell of a weekend uh most recently they beat arizona they beat colorado big they beat the hell out of colorado last night 99 to 79 in boulder and before that uh, started their road trip, their mountain school road trip sweep with a triple overtime thriller over Utah, 105 to 99. Let's talk about the Arizona-Utah game first, and then let's talk about Arizona broadly. Arizona-Utah goes into triple overtime. It looked like Arizona had controlled this game for the vast majority of it. Utah ends up battling back late uh, off some absurd three-point shooting from several players, uh, namely Gabe Matson. And they force overtime, then they force another overtime, then they force another overtime. Really felt like we were going to go to four overtimes for a minute. But in the end, Arizona outlasts the Moose. Grapes, let's start with you. What did you think of this absolutely absurd game? Yeah, Arizona is really in control for like 30 minutes here. It, it felt like Arizona should have been winning the game. But as someone who has been watching Utah basketball for a really long time, I understand that like these teams that aren't used to the elevation run out of gas at the end of the second quarter. So that's what happened with Arizona. The last, like, I don't know, probably eight minutes, they had so many shooting droughts. They just looked terrible. Utah was able to battle back and get close. And like, honestly, I'm really disappointed with Utah because they had a lot of opportunities to put the game away there late. But when it went to overtime, it really felt like it was Utah's game to lose simply because Arizona was so gassed like they weren't doing well and Utah just couldn't capitalize off of that and it was really disappointing um a part of me is kind of angry because I feel like if Arizona and Utah played on Saturday (laughs) (laughs) Utah would have won this game because Arizona would have been recovering from the Colorado game but I mean what can you do about it I I am disappointed with Utah for not winning this one they had so many chances to just take the game Greg what did you think of Arizona Utah uh, electric game. I felt so much stress the entirety, especially the the final stretch. Kept going to overtime, kept hurting my heart even more. 
this is a game where I felt like just from the Utah perspective, Utah missed Raleigh Wooster a lot in this game. Uh-huh. Uh, Hunter Erickson had to play 33 minutes and Davon Smith had to play 49 minutes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. That is, God. that is a lot. Hunter Erickson is not good. He should not be playing that much. And Davon Smith was great. Like he had a triple double in that game, 14, 11 and 10, but he can't do everything for you. Ball handling wise. Uh, Hunter Erickson is just not good. I, it, it hurts that he has to play this much. Utah needs Raleigh Wooster. If they're going to be like the team we hoped they were at the beginning of the season. Um, overall, this, this really did feel like Utah, like the crest of their, the crest of their season, you know, like so close, so close, but then just sort of collapsed in that last overtime. And then going on to the next game they played because they got swept. They just did not have it at all against ASU. I'm worried that Utah has sort of run out of gas on the season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to the Utah. We'll talk about Utah and Colorado, both of them. What's going on with them? Cause they, they do not look good right now. Um, but Arizona, I, I think, uh, played a great game for about two and a half, uh, one and a half halves. The first half <laughs> and a half. How do you say that? For 70, the there you go. <laughs> 75% of this basketball game felt like Arizona was the much, much better team. Uh, I, oh, yeah. I, but their defense completely collapsed against Utah. And it, and it was, a lot of it is like, <laughs> Arizona gives up a ton of open threes. Uh, they were really giving them up late. Uh, it felt like they probably needed to press a little bit and, and chase Utah off the line, especially because Utah, as we know, loves to shoot a ton of threes. Utah's, uh, you know, and they've got shooters. Gabe Matson's a great shooter. Uh, Brent, uh, Brandon Carlson's a good shooter. I, ben Carlson had a couple threes in this game, which is kind of weird. I didn't really beg him for a three-point shooter. Um, ben Carlson has been, like, consistently okay. Yeah, he's a solid player. the three this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um... So, you know, that some great three-point shooting that came kind of late in the game. Arizona, just their three-point defense uh, collapsed a bit in that one. Um, but other than that, it felt like Arizona uh, had control of this game up until the last five minutes of regulation or so. Um, and Utah sort of battled back. Now, to Utah's credit, they stood connected-ish. I thought it was like a 10-11 point game for the vast majority of it. For a good five-minute stretch, it felt like Utah was down 11 and but they would trade buckets uh which was i guess a part of arizona's defense collapsing but then also utah's defense collapsing mm-hmm. a little bit um and arizona's offense being a little uh overwhelming for utah um big big game from from a lot of players Pella larson had 27 points but i thought umar balo was uh actually impressive in this one uh in stretches he looks uh, the Umar Balo era for Arizona is so up and down. I feel I feel like he is not. I feel like he, I, I have thoughts about Tommy Lloyd and his development work, but it feels like he's worse um, than he was last year. But he had a nice game against uh, against Utah. Had to play big because Utah loves to play big, so that's what he did. Anyway, he, so I'm sorry to interrupt, but he should no, have great. fouled out so many fucking times during that game. The refs were infuriating. <laughs> <laughs> Just shoves in the back, which just would not get called because the refs were yeah. afraid of kicking him out. Yeah, um, lots of physicality in this game for sure. Keyshawn Johnson also four fouls in, you know what what amounted to a what a fifty five minute game. Um, 
So not that I think that the refereeing, I think, affected the outcome, but no one fouled out in this game. So I guess it probably worked. ended up working out both ways. They were, they were a little soft on the calls. Yeah. Like they, yeah. I mean, they didn't really call anything in this game. This is, did we mention that this is Utah's first home loss this season? Pretty absurd. Yeah. I mean, the whole Utah situation, like them needing to win all their home games, obviously this is one of the toughest home games on their schedule. I was pretty impressed by Arizona, like being able to stick in this game. Obviously it's hard to play in Salt Lake City. Most teams lose there. <laughs> well, every team has lost there so far this season. But I, I think it might be one of like the most impressive wins on Arizona's schedule simply because like they were able to play that long a game with Utah when they are not conditioned to play in those in like an area with such high elevation. So I, I'm very impressed with Arizona coming out of this game because I really thought the wheels were falling off at the end of regulation there. Yeah, let's yeah. talk about oh, Go ahead. Go ahead, Reed. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I was watching this um, overtime live with our, our homie Cam, and we were kind of sitting there talking like, if this tilts Utah's way, all of a sudden, like Arizona drops the first game of this, they're going to be super tired. They're going to head to Boulder. They're probably going to lose. They ended up being one and a half point underdogs in that game. And all of a sudden, we, for a second, you know, it felt like we're going to be looking at Arizona going 0 2 against the Mountain Schools maybe like falling on the edge of even getting a buy in the Pac-12 tournament. And instead, they pull this game out. They win by 20 at Colorado. And now I feel like Arizona with a bullet to me is the best team in the conference. We were kind of debating that going into the weekend. But this two-game stretch proved to me like no one's doing this in the mountain schools except for them right mm-hmm. now. Um I don't think they're unbeatable in the tournament or anything, but I think there's a reason why we view them as the class of the conference, even with UCLA getting hot. You know, we saw them go up against the mountain schools here. Obviously, they're just the best team right now. Yeah, beating beating the mountain schools, sweeping the mountain schools, I think is impressive, particularly this year, because I, I think neither Colorado nor Utah entering this weekend had lost at home. And not only had they not lost, but they look like completely different, much better teams um, at home than they do on the road. So that was deeply impressive. Arizona is now on a five-game win streak. They are seven of their last eight and nine of their last 11. Uh, there are two losses in that stretch where uh, at Washington State, at Oregon State. Um, but Arizona looks looks legit. They look like they're tr- regaining control. They look like they've found their mojo again. Um, Kylan Boswell has kind of stepped up back again. Uh, he had a stretch there where it was like, where where is Kylan Boswell? Um, he looks good again. Uh, Pella Larson has figured out how to be a consistent scorer and a scoring threat. Uh, he's really aggressive, gets downhill. Gets a lot of uh, 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 gets a lot of foul calls um, for good reason because he's just putting so much pressure there. And Caleb Caleb Love, um, you know, <laughs> he's Caleb Love. He's he's gonna go. What did he go like five for twenty? He, he he went five for twenty against Utah, right? He, he did not have a great game. Yeah, he went five for twenty against the Moose um, on Thursday, and then went six for fifteen on um, Saturday, but. I think he's his his energy. I think gives them a lot, especially defensively, but also offensively. It's just like he's going to shoot and he's confident and he doesn't really care what the situation is. He, he's gonna he thinks that he could win them a game, um, and I think that's infectious for uh, Arizona broadly. And I don't know when this team looks when this team is going, they look 
unstoppable. Um, I don't know that they are. I think that they still have a couple of stinkers in them. Uh, not to say that they're fraudulent or anything like that, but you know, we've seen Arizona do this before. We've seen Arizona go on these runs and look like absolute juggernauts. Uh, I expect them to lose, drop one or two more games. We'll see where they come from, but right now they look they look incredible. I would not say, and we'll get to the this in the next segment, but I would not quite say that they are with a bullet the best team in the Pac-12 right now. But but I think that they uh, they they probably are. They they are by a, a slimish margin, I guess is what I'd say. Um, but they look who's really got, good right who's now. Who's got the honk music? Yes, yeah, seriously. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> um, I've actually got another team in that conversation, and we'll talk a little bit about them. But any other thoughts about Arizona? <laughs> uh, I realize that it's actually a pain in the ass to edit that in uh, in the actual <laughs> podcast. So if anyone who's I'm, I'm not going to do it, um, <laughs> not for my shame, but more so because I don't want to have to edit in the honking sound. <laughs> uh, but there was a honking sound for those uh, podcast listeners out there. Uh, any other thoughts about Arizona? Do we feel like they feel like? Uh, are, are you? Del- is this five game stretch deluding you into thinking they're national title contenders? No, <laughs> no okay. absolutely not. They're a one no, seed still. I, In Joe Lenardi's bractology, they're still a one seed. After this week, they absolutely should be a one seed. Okay. This is like one of the most impressive stretches. Okay, I'm not going to pretend like I'm like deep in the weeds of national college basketball but like this has to be one of the most impressive stretches in college basketball at least this weekend yeah. right yeah probably going at these schools i don't know one of our friends that's an arizona fan turner in the chat he said um that he doesn't care about like regular season losses and that's just stuck with me for like the last day because i'm what is that like <laughs> What is it like to feel like that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is what happens. How, it, 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 this is what happens when you're Arizona and you win 25, 30 games a year and then you flame out in the, in the tournament because it's like, seen this before, you know, <laughs> we're now in year, what, is this year three of the Tommy Lloyd era? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it's kind of following the same the same sort of script. Definitely felt, felt feels like it's following the same script from last year. Um, yeah, I think college basketball in general seems like it's having a hard time on the road. And I think that's why Arizona, it doesn't feel like Arizona should be a one seed. You know, it doesn't feel like they're running through everyone and haven't lost in forever. But uh, the teams ahead and behind, mostly behind them, I think, are are struggling. Tennessee just got its ass kicked by Texas A&M. I only know that because I was <laughs> trying to watch the Arizona-Colorado game and saw and saw that Tennessee <laughs> was, was getting beat down by Texas A&M and College Station. Uh, so there's that part of it, right? Um, so I don't know. I mean, Arizona does not feel like a one seed to me. They don't feel like the one seed that UCLA was. Uh, I guess UCLA was a two seed, but they don't feel as good as UCLA last season. They don't look as good as they did in 21-22 when Arizona was the number one overall seed that year with Christian Coloco, Dalen Terry, Ben Matherin, and those folks. Um, but they're a good team. They They are a good team. I think that they are going to be – uh, they're liable to beat the shit out of anyone. I think that they they can win every game. We know that. But I think they're liable to to completely raise a team um, in, in a single night. So I'm excited to see what Arizona does. They get next uh, uh, home against Arizona State. They should win that game by a lot. But Arizona I State. I don't trust Arizona State. <laughs> yeah. Arizona State's a little weird. They're a little weird, as we'll discuss in a little bit. Uh, they're they're a strange team that's capable of some weird shit. Um, so, and we saw last year Arizona State. I think at the McHale Center, beat Arizona on like a a, a ridiculous hail mary. So, 
who knows? Anything could happen with Arizona State, Arizona. I think that's going to be a fun game. Uh, and then they get uh, the following week, Washington State and Washington at home before they have to play Arizona State again. So we'll see what Arizona does. Let's move on to a couple of other teams here. Washington State and UCLA both swept their road uh, their road stands, their road trips, I guess you could say. Uh, Washington State beat Oregon State and Oregon on uh, Thursday and Saturday. They beat Oregon State by six on Thursday and on Saturday. They also beat uh, Oregon by six. Uh, meanwhile, UCLA, they had a road trip to the Bay Area. They get past Stanford um, in a bit of an ugly game by UCLA standards. They beat Stanford 82-74, and then thriller against cal yesterday uh this game was <laughs> electric for several reasons uh, i'm not sure if anyone watched any four of those games but right now you, washington state and ucla are washington state's eight and one over their last nine ucla seven and one over their last eight i'd say right now um and this is sort of why i brought it up and alluded to earlier right now the three best teams in the conference are arizona washington state and ucla Everyone else is struggling. Oregon has lost a bunch of games recently. Colorado and Utah don't look good right now. Stanford, we know, sucks. Cal, a very, very competent team, but uh, not, you know, not rising to the level of the top. So it's very clearly to me Arizona, Arizona, Washington State, UCLA, with Washington State and uh, UCLA kind of vying for a position against Arizona. Um, a quick thought here: Washington State or Arizona? Who do you who do y'all trust more right now? Arizona. Arizona. Washington State, sorry, Washington State or UCLA? <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, probably Washington State. Washington State. They've been more consistent. Washington State didn't quit on their coach earlier in the year, and so I'm less worried about them <laughs> doing it again. So I'm going to go with Washington State also. Um, Washington State has looked good. They've got a real uh, a real cast of characters there. Jalen Wells, uh, Division II transfer, has played out of his mind recently. He's been fantastic for the Cougs. It looks like he might be a, a player that's going to be pretty consistent for them in terms of scoring and doing a bunch of other stuff and rebounding. Miles Rice, ob- obviously, as we've said, all Pac-12 first teamer at this point. Dark horse contender for Pac-12 Player of the Year. Um, they've got a, a, a big a big group of guys on the front court. Oscar Clough anchoring that. Andre Giacomovsky is a pretty big guy for a shooter. Isaac Jones, another big guy. Ruben Chinielu, uh coming off the bench for them. They've got a, a really good group of guys there. Um, but they're starting to shorten the rotation. Kind of interesting. I, I kind of caught glimpses of this game. Uh, didn't realize that Cal Smith is basically going to a six-man rotation at this point. Um, Jalen Wells played 39 minutes. Miles Rice played 38. Oscar Clough, 35. Andre Giacomovsky, 30. Isaac Jones, 30. That's their starting five. And then their six-man, Kaiman, who, uh, oh God, they say it on the broadcast all the time, Huinso, uh, he had 22 minutes. And then Isaiah Watts and Ruben Chinielu, uh only had six minutes combined. So six-man rotation, that's pretty weird. Um Anyway, so Washington State has a good cast of characters, but UCLA, I, they are – here's the thing. Uh, UCLA has done this before. I, I feel like I've we have seen this. I talk all the time about UCLA and their 2019-2020 season. It's mirroring the same thing in that they started off looking like garbage. It looks like the players were not bought in. It looks like things were going to collapse. Something happens. There's a turning point. There was a turning point in that 2019-2020 game. That was Stanford. Um, this year it was Utah in Salt Lake City and getting their asses beat by 46. Since then, they have looked like an entirely different team. But 
I guess you another none of y'all trust UCLA yet. You need to see a little bit more from them. Well, what do you think they're going to do with that, right? Like, because they're not going to get an at-large bid. So do you think they're going to win the conference tournament? I think they can get an at-large bid. They got really? you. You always do this. You <laughs> always what is their record this right now? Like year. thirteen and eleven. Yes, they're thirteen and eleven. Um, they get how many games are left? Six, seven. So they've got Colorado, Utah, USC, all at home. There's they're a chance not, to go three and zero. They're not right? going undefeated the rest of the way. I don't it's think they're going undefeated. Happen. I don't think they go. I don't. They th- would have to go undefeated if they want an at-large bid. Okay, I, I do not think they have to go undefeated. So here, I think, but I think their margin for error is small. I think they have one loss in the regular season left, um, and that loss I think is either going to have to be at Washington State or home against Arizona. But look at the rest of their schedule. Yeah, but they need those wins. Yeah, I mean. Uh, I think they can afford one of those. But here's here's the rest of their schedule. They get Colorado, Utah, USC at home. Would you pick UCLA against all three of those teams? Mm, yeah. Individually, actually, would, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah. The, the, Obviously, I would compound them. Right. The, yes. The, that's how, you know, Matt, you know, statistics, right? You got to multiply the odds, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But you would favor them in each, uh, every one of those. Yeah. yeah. Then they go at Washington. Would you favor them at Washington? Yes. And then they get at Washington State. I think they're losing that yeah. game. Then they get home against Arizona. I'm favoring Arizona. Favoring Arizona, but I think there's some real hesitation there. And then they get home against Arizona State. Um, That is a schedule that sets them up. They've got to go. I do think they have to go six and one in that stretch. Um, And then they've got to win one or two games in the Pac-12 tournament. I think that would that would really help. But I think uh uh what uh, what would that be a 19 and 12 UCLA. Having one, what is this? Six and ten, nine, twelve. I'm doing all this math. Uh, Thirteen and two, fifteen and two, to end the season would would probably get them close to a net large bid. Maybe they don't get it. Maybe they just miss. But I think they get close. So anyway, I saw that to say. (laughs) The issue is they just beat Cal by one point. Exactly. Cal like, is a good team. Cal's good. Cal is a good team. <laughs> no, no. I'm Cal's sorry. a good team. No, I, I if can't, Cal can almost beat I them, I feel better. like Arizona Cal, State. Arizona State could cause problems. Exactly. Too. Like, why are we expecting this team that beat Cal by one? Cal, who is admittedly very fun. That game was very great to watch. I enjoyed it. But if you can only beat Cal by one, I'm not expecting you to go six and one down the stretch. You want to know who did not beat Cal by one? Any guesses? Washington State, they lost. Uh, Washington State lost to this Washington Cal team State built about more of a, a week and a half error. ago. What, what did wait? What did Washington, Washington State, State do to your Q Sun? Did did Q-Sun? Washington play oh, say Cal State Northridge? <laughs> <laughs> and what happened in that game? Yeah, yeah. Um, they did lose to Santa Clara. Santa Clara is better than CSUN. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. Um, I, okay, so here's the thing. I'm talking about. We're talking about tournament bids right now. But right now, you would say. Washington State is a better team than UCLA. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. That's fair. But do, UCLA has a better non-conference resume. A lot of losses in there, though. A lot of losses. Um, yeah, but at least they played good that's teams. That's true. Washington State played no one, Washington and I resent didn't them play for anyone. it. Yeah, that's why I like refuse to consider that Washington State might be on the same level as Arizona. No, I think, of their no, I think Washington State is a, lo- a tournament lock. I think they're in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And they should be in. I think that they are no shade to Washington State. I've been going back and forth with Washington State fans all year. That is, a, that is to me, they're the best team in the Pac-12 right now. I'd give it to them. Um, I think it's Washington State, Arizona, 
and UCLA, some those three are kind of jumble them up in any order you want. But I think that Washington State is a better team than Arizona. I think that they're more balanced. I I think that they have as much size, if not more size, than Arizona does. Um, and I think they're better coached than Arizona is. Um, I, I would pick Washington State gets Arizona um, in Tucson. So that will be tough, but I think that's that's gonna that's gonna be their only loss the rest of the way. They gotta play Cal in Stanford in Pullman. They gotta go at Arizona at Arizona State. I do think they're gonna go one and one in that stretch. And then they get home against USC, UCLA, and Washington. The UCLA game is a toss up to me. Uh, in uh, in in Pullman, I'd probably pick Washington State. So uh, I just think that they have they have scores. Oscar Clough is a very good big man um, and has. You know, he's like he's he's got like big mid major like sweet sixteen darling energy in terms of the way he looks. He's just like a scruffy white guy uh, who's very big, uh, who's got a nice cool mullet, so he's got a cool look there. Uh, but Isaac Jones looks like a Pac twelve, at least second team kind of guy. Miles Rice is a first team guy. I don't know. I just I think Washington State. I I trust them more than I trust Arizona right now. Um, that I think they they are a better team. UCLA. I guess you could say we need to see a little bit more from UCLA. I think the homestand against the Mountain Schools will sell will tell a lot. I think UCLA will be very fired up for the Utah revenge game after getting their asses absolutely handed to them and Utah basically fixing UCLA. Um, <laughs> little did we know that that game would break Utah. Uh, Utah is <laughs> oh my god is three and five since the UCLA game. Yeah, how many of those? were away games yeah yeah a lot um <laughs> not these past two though so i don't know um I, do we agree though that arizona would you put arizona washington state and ucla together as the top three is the class of the conference right now i would just put arizona personally like okay. i wouldn't have ucla and washington well, I, state in the same tier i would have arizona and washington state in the same tier because i think they're going to be our only tournament teams yeah i don't know I, a, I hope we get a three chance kids. they are yeah, yeah there's a good I, chance well, i don't know Right now, like Colorado, I think they're the next four out. That's what Joe Lenardi has them. Colorado and Oregon, next four out. Right, his most recent post, he has Utah, but that's not going to be the case anymore after losing two home games. So, yeah, yeah, I guess we'll find out. Um, just the, just good. a standings update, and this is related to my argument that I think it's that I think it's Arizona, Washington State, uh, UCLA at the top here. Arizona is number one in the conference, but they're only a game ahead of Washington State right now. Um, they're ten and three. Washington State's nine and four, and then Oregon and UCLA are tied for third at eight and five. UCLA right now, if the season ended today, UCLA, the team that everyone remembers for getting beat down by forty six in Salt Lake City. They're getting a first round bye in the Pac-12 tournament. They're not playing on Wednesday, um, so kind of interesting there. And and the teams behind them, I don't know that we can imagine they get Colorado and Stanford are at seven and six, and then Utah, Cal, and Arizona State at six and seven. I think there's a big drop off after three. I guess uh, I think Oregon is struggling right now. I think they're barely keeping their head above the water, if at all. They are three and five over their last eight, um, including a, a tough loss to Washington State at home, a, a, a game they absolutely needed so i don't know i think you i just think Lucky ucla and washington us, state are uh are, are right there washington state and arizona play in like a week and it's a half it's gonna be beautiful it's gonna be so, such a good game <laughs> it's gonna be a fantastic game um i would say that we have i think that those three teams play each other ucla washington state arizona if you're not if you want to watch any teams outside your own those are the three like those three games when ucla when ucla plays washington state when ucla plays arizona when arizona plays washington state 
those are the three games you should watch um, because I think that they're going to tell us a lot. Um, assuming yeah. no one else collapses and no one and else. And in merges. terms of that, you're like that part of the argument that those are probably the most exciting games. Yeah, they probably are the three best teams of the conference <laughs> because I'm not looking forward to any Colorado games. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's move on to Colorado and to Utah. They go one and three in their home stretch. Everyone has been talking about all year how, and really for years, <laughs> the mountain trip is, uh, is a death knell. Um, but Utah and Colorado struggled at home. Colorado, they went one and one. They beat Arizona state on Thursday in a game that was perhaps a little too close for comfort. Um, and then get their asses beat bad by Arizona 99 to 79 on Saturday. Utah, on the other hand, went 0-2. They lost to Arizona, as we mentioned, in triple overtime. Excuse me. Uh, and then they lose to Arizona State in kind of embarrassing fashion in Salt Lake City. So they drop to 15-9 on the season, 6-7 in Pac-12 play. They are, Utah are 1-4 over their last five. They are on a brutal slide right now. After looking really promising, uh, they their their tournament chances are are they are they're in they're in jeopardy. Grapes, what do you think about Utah? And then we can go to Colorado. I'm really pessimistic about Utah. I think it's clear that like the Raleigh Wooster injury has like completely derailed their season, and that's embarrassing to say. Like I don't think they should be this reliant on Raleigh Wooster. Like he's a solid player, but he's not elite by any standard. And like for the wheels to come off like this when he's not playing, it's just really upsetting. And it's I just expect more from Utah, like as a brand at this point, than what we've seen from them. Like there's always excuses for losses, but I feel like if we've reached the point where the excuses just sound stupid and whiny, and like no one wants to take responsibility for what's happening with the program, so I don't think a team that's incapable of winning literally any road games should be considered a tournament team. We talked about Utah. Okay. Maybe if they win every single home game, which they had been doing, (laughs) but like that's kind of a ridiculous standard to set. Maybe if they win every home game and like get one or two road wins to finish the season against the bad teams on their schedule, they should be in the tournament. But like losing to ASU at home, to me is like the final straw and I do not consider Utah a tournament team anymore. Yeah. I mean, right before the game, uh, Lenardi had Utah, I think safely in, he wasn't on the, bu- they weren't on the bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, they might get in the, bu- on the bubble here. I think they're going to get into the last four buys line. If I'm going to project out, I think that they're kind of in a, in a shaky situation, but Greg, what, what what's going on with Utah recently? I completely agree with Avery. It's uh, it's just really, really hard for Utah to deal with injuries when the coach consistently does not use all the scholarships. Uh, depth is once again the reason that Utah is fading down the stretch. Uh, it happened last year. It's going to happen uh, this year too, I think. I agree with Avery. It's hard to see Utah as a tournament team, even when Raleigh was healthy. They couldn't win on the road. Without him, they're certainly not going to do it now. Uh, it's it's hard. Unless Utah, I think, gets real lucky or maybe maybe a run in Vegas. I could see that happening because they haven't been terrible at neutral sites. Maybe that gets them into the tournament. But uh, right now, I just feel like the lack of depth, being forced to play Hunter Erickson as much as they are, is it's killing them. Even before this weekend and these losses, it really felt like 
the the LA schools on the road were must win games for Utah mm-hmm. to be like safe tournament locks. And now I'm like, I don't even know if they can beat USC. They're not beating UCLA on the road. That's for sure. Can they even beat USC who like genuinely is probably the worst team <laughs> in the conference right now? I think by, by that- record, they are, they are by overall record by conference record. They're tied with Oregon state. Yeah. Like it's, it's close. Right. And, I, I was hopeful they might get the USC win. That was still shaky because this team is garbage, complete garbage on the road. So I, yeah, it's it's so sad. It's so upsetting because they've been like consistently considered like safely in the tournament throughout the season, even with all of those road losses. I mean, and the, so for Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think the defense has completely collapsed um, at this point. I, It's just not uh, defensively, uh, look, there's no shame in in getting blasted defensively by Arizona. They're an elite offensive team. They have been for the entirety of the Tommy Lloyd era. They just run up and down the court. Sometimes they blitz you. It happens. Arizona State giving up 85 points off 75 possessions. That's brutal. Um, uh, Colorado, they were fine, but they gave up 98 points in 75 possessions to Washington. Mm-hmm. They gave up 79 points to uh, off 63 possessions to Washington State. They gave up in their wins against the uh, again and their win against Oregon in on January twenty first. They gave up seventy seven points off sixty nine possessions. That's bad. You can't keep giving up well over one point per possession in each game. Yeah, uh, and expect to expect to win those games. And as a result, they're one in five over the last uh, mm-hmm. one in four over the and last five. I mean, I didn't even feel terrible after the Arizona game because you know it's Arizona and you went to triple overtime and you had yeah. like a real chance at winning that game. So that's great. Like it's a Q one loss, super close. And then going into the Arizona State game, there's the factor of like, oh, you just played a really tough game two days ago. You're going to be tired. But then you go look at what Arizona did at Colorado. Like, shouldn't Arizona be just as tired as Utah is when they go to play Colorado? They win by 20. Yeah. (laughs) The tiredness I saw on Twitter, people are like, well, they just went to triple overtime. Okay. This is college basketball. (laughs) Like, you play a game every few days. Yeah. And Arizona State is not a team that. (laughs) <laughs> it's not quite a team that should tire you out that much uh, no. given how they play offense. It's just, you guard one guy at a time and everyone else can just stand around and take a break. Um, brutal, brutal stuff from, from Utah. Reed, Greg, any other thoughts about Utah and, and where their season has gone? I thought it was interesting that Brandon Carlson actually showed up in these last two games. Mm-hmm. Like he'd, he'd been a bit shaky and he delivered against both the Arizona schools and it wasn't enough. So, that was an interesting thing that I had my eye on and kind of like, I don't know, how does he fit in? Why why is it that his play going up came in at the same time as two of their worst, you know, or at least against Arizona State, one of their worst performances of the year? I think just against ASU specifically, they just look so disjointed, you know? Uh I would have loved for them to lean on Carlson even more than they did in that game because he was the only person who felt like really had a pulse. Uh, I man, ASU, both the ASU losses this year though, I think are a great example of why Utah still struggles. They still don't have enough on the ball creation. Uh, the the they just don't look as interested as they should night in night out. You know, they have so many games where they sleepwalk. And this is another one. And you can't be sleepwalking when you are a bubble team. Yeah. And they weren't a bubble team, but but they they I think may they as were well close be now. Enough that, yeah. 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 They may as well be now. The rest of their schedule, 
uh, these last seven games here, uh, they got a three-game road stretch at USC, at UCLA, at Colorado. That's the season right there. Um, yeah, they're losing all those games. They've <laughs> got to go two and one in that stretch. I don't know where the two come from. If they come from, if it's USC and Colorado, I think that would help. That would go a long way. Um, but they cannot go worse than that, or they're in real dire straits. Uh, and then they get. At, then they then they host Stanford and host Cal. It, they should go two and zero oh in that stretch, but you know you never know. And then they get at or then they go at Oregon State at Oregon. I don't know. Every game for Utah feels like a tough. It could be a tough game at this point. And you just can't expect them to win these road games either. Yeah. yeah. Like for me, looking at the schedule, I'm just like, they're not winning these. Yeah. I at, don't care at, who they're playing. And Oregon State is like, oh, you know, I'm not entirely sure. Um, yeah. Because Oregon State at home can be good. Uh, they they have not I don't looked even good, think it but matters if they're good at home. Like Utah's genuinely just that <laughs> shitty on the road. But I'm like, yeah. I don't really care who they're playing. It's it's really hard for me to like imagine a win here. And it's really frustrating that now they like have to win these road games. Yeah. Whereas like if they maybe if they lost Arizona and they beat Arizona State, we could be like, okay, there's still a chance here. But now it really feels like there's no really solution. And it's extra frustrating because I know the Mountain West is a little bit easier of a conference, but Utah State's ranked the Mountain Crest West is, is good this year. Team. Mountain West is pretty good. Um, <laughs> How is Craig Smith's former team going to be yeah, more successful than his current team? Yeah. Like, it's really embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Craig Smith, this is, this is. Uh, I don't think Craig Smith is getting fired after this by any means, but. No, they're is, not going to fire him. But this is a bit of a, this is a, a bellwether year. And this is the kind of year where it's like, he's not going to have a team this experienced again for a couple of years. This is sort of. The ex- the big peak prove it year. I will uh, say, for Craig Smith. I will say, next year Utah has a chance to really only lose Brandon Carlson. He's their best player. That matters a lot. But like they can get Madsen, Smith, Wooster, uh, Kada, Lovering, all those guys. They can they can bring them back theoretically. Mm, interesting with eligibility. Interesting. And so you bring in a star transfer. You know, like Utah almost got Ray J. Dennis in the portal mm. last year. If they hit on a guy like that. Utah could basically be the same level of team next year. That I don't expect them to, based on how we've recruited. <laughs> I don't expect this to <laughs> no. happen, but I still think Craig Smith could save his job next year. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't I think I thought Davon Smith, I didn't know Davon Smith had another year of eligibility. Mm-hmm. He has um, a COVID year. Yeah, got it. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean that would be that would be great. I guess we'll find out. I guess next year could be could be their real big proving year. All right. Well, we let's- keep saying that though. We've said that for four years. <laughs> I mean, we're only year I'm three of the Craig Smith era, but yes, you're right. You're right. I mean, I think it's, you know, I think this year definitely, who knows? Maybe he's got another year. I guess we'll find out what the roster ends up looking like. All right. Well, let's take a quick ad break. And when we come back, we'll talk about Colorado. We'll talk some women's basketball. We'll talk about the Pac-12 more generally. Don't go anywhere. Pac-12 sickos. It is women's basketball season. If you have not been keeping up with the Pac-12 women's basketball, you haven't been listening to our episodes, Pac-12 women's hoops is on a damn heater. Uh, They have several top 10 teams. They look like they have four of the best teams in the country, maybe five of the top six or seven. Pac-12 women's basketball is on another level, and you should support your women's teams by going to home field and buying one of their shirts. Uh, One of my favorite shirts right now in the home field UCLA collection 
is this UCLA women's basketball shirt commemorating their 1978 national championship. It is a gorgeous shirt. Uh, it's got this lovely cream color, this vintage 1970s logo and design. It's gorgeous. It's super soft. It's super comfortable. I really enjoy it. There's a lot of really great shirts out there commemorating women's basketball all across the Pac-12. You should go check that out. Uh, these shirts are comfortable. They're incredible. They're great to look at. I get comments on them all the time. People being like on the streets just saying, where'd you get that shirt? That's cool. Uh, especially if you live in a college town where people actually care about these things. I think you'd stand out. Go check that out at homefieldapparel.com. You can save if you're a first-time customer by entering the code NOTRUCKSTOPS23 at checkout. Uh, my favorite uh, holiday, Black Friday on February 11th. How lovely! <laughs> I gotta, I gotta, I gotta label these ads better. <laughs> anyway, Homefield's. I'm wearing my Homefield shirt right now to extend the ad. So, uh, oh look at that! Got the the Oregon State. Uh, what is that? A champion? It's a Rose Bowl. Oh, Rose. Oh, okay, Rose Bowl stuff. Nice, wow. very nice. What's that from shirt. the 1800s? <laughs> Vinti- 1942. Vintage is vintage. World, World Read. War II. <laughs> um, let's move on. Let's talk about Colorado. Uh, Colorado also in dire-ish straits. They are one and three over their last four. They just lost to Arizona by 20 in Boulder um, after beating Arizona State 82-70. This is their third loss in four games, as mentioned. They lost at Utah and at Washington State before this. Colorado, uh, also in sort of a weird situation right now. Maybe not quite as dire as Utah, but certainly uh, there's some conversations happening about Tad Boyle yet again, as they were early in the season when they had a three-game losing streak um, from January 4th through the 10th against Arizona, Arizona State, and Cal. Um, Against Arizona, got their asses beat uh, to all to, to oblivion. KJ Simpson looked like the only player with a pulse in that one. Um, other than that, Tristan De Silva had a pretty empty twenty points, I would say. Um, Andy Lampkin uh, doing nothing yet again. Any thoughts about this Colorado team and what the hell is going wrong with them? I mean, I would say that their situation has been more dire than Utah's. Utah's just like reached the same level as Colorado now because <laughs> they weren't considered. They were considered. They've been like a bubble team for the last. It's true. Few weeks. Um, and Lenardi, I think, has has them in the next four out. So, and they just lost yeah. by twenty. I mean, I've always thought Colorado was frauds. I do not like Colorado basketball. So, I, it just feels good to be right about something. Yeah. The <laughs> the funny thing is, like I've said about Utah, do they really have a top ten player in the Pac twelve on their team? And then you look at Colorado. They have like three. You could argue there. Yeah, you could argue <laughs> there's three. Exactly. KJ Simpson, Tristan Silva, and Cody Williams. Like. Probably, probably I'll make my top 10 when they're playing well. Um, so <laughs> I just don't get why this team isn't more successful. And I think that's the issue for Colorado fans is this feels like a year to ca- cash in. Like if you can't make the tournament with this group, when are you going to? Yeah. Um, yeah. Cody Williams is probably going to be a top five pick. Tristan Da Silva and KJ Simpson are probably second round picks. How the fuck are you missing the tournament when you have three NBA players on your team, that is like genuinely embarrassing and should be worrying for Colorado fans going into the big 12 next year, where it is going to get a hell of a lot harder. And none of those guys will be on your roster. That's exactly what I was going to say. I'm like, how are you not going to be capitalizing off of the players you have, but also the conference that you're playing Mm -hmm. in? Like the conference doesn't have like a terrible floor by any means, but it's not, 
some elite conference where every single week you're playing a juggernaut. Like, and when you do get the best team in the conference, it's after they were went triple overtime in Salt Lake City, they have to get on a flight and fly to Colorado. Like, why are you losing by 20 to them? <laughs> That's a perfect opportunity to get a Q1 win. Yeah, could not capitalize. Uh, Greg, I was like, oh, Cody Williams is a top five pick. Per NBADraft.net and their, mo- and their mock draft, Cody Williams is going number one overall. They have Cody Williams going number one overall. <laughs> it's, this it's is a horrific draft. Rough draft. Holy it's shit. Rough draft this year. NBA teams trying to get off of their 2024 firsts just because they know whatever they're picking will suck. Uh, it's a bad draft, but still, still, if you have the guy who could yes. go number one <laughs> yes. overall, you should not be missing the tournament. Yes, I think that's right. <laughs> um, Ad- wow, I'm looking at this list now. Adama Ball, former Arizona guy, transferred to South Santa Clara. He's they, they have him 13th on this board. That's Isaiah Collier fell all the way to 24th. That's pretty sad. Yeah, uh, interesting stuff. I haven't looked at a um, at a draft board in quite a while. Khalil Ware for Oregon. Uh, for Oregon? Not, for, sorry, no, not Khalil. <laughs> Indiana now. Indiana went from Oregon. Um, yeah, interesting. Tristan De Silva is a second round pick. Yes, you're right. Uh, good, good, good eyes there. Um, but yeah, this team, this Colorado team, should be better than they are, th- based on the talent they have. Tristan De Silva, um, I think, I think he's he's. It's really sad to see. I think he's worn out his welcome in Colorado. Um, he has disappeared. He had a a, a nice uh, box score, but. You're hearing Colorado fans bringing up the same things about Tristan DeSilva about his his leadership, um, not and him checking out of games and not really being there defensively. Uh, that's pretty brutal. KJ Simpson really does look like the only player with the pulse at this point. Cody Williams, in and out of the lineup, looks good when he's there, um, but had basically no effect on the on the outcome of the game yesterday against Arizona. And then Eddie Lampkin, a guy that everyone thought was going to be a major impact player for Colorado. I certainly thought mm-hmm. Eddie Lampkin was going to come in and bolster Colorado on the interior. He looks unplayable sometimes. Um, he is he has really dropped off. He is not the same player that he was at TCU. So it's been really rough to, rough to watch. I think I don't. I think that the Colorado fans are split. I think they really they really have fond feelings towards Tad Boyle, but I think they're starting to he's starting to wear thin on them. Sorry. Yeah, I I don't know. The Tad Boyle thing is I feel like Colorado fans really, really love Tad Boyle. So they do a lot to avoid like putting blame on him. And I feel like the player leadership discourse a lot of the time is to just take heat off of the head coach. At the end of the day, it's like the head coach's leadership that has more impact than, I guess, what the players are doing. I don't know. I, I think Tad Boyle should be on the hot seat. Yeah. Given I don't over the see enough fire Tad yeah. posts There's, on Twitter. They were there for a while. They were. Um, yeah. Um, just so that people know what Tad Boyle has done in recent years. In 2022, missed the tournament, went 21 and 12. So people said, oh, you know, he still got his 20 wins, and, and that was useful. Finished 79th in Kempom, though. Went to the NIT. 2023, followed that up, 18 and 17, just barely above 500, 8 and 12 in conference, 70, 70th in Kempom. And this year, looked like they might be poised for a tournament run, but... That's starting to fall apart. I don't know that they'll get all the way down, but they're certainly things are certainly looking dire for Colorado. They gotta, they've gotta, they've gotta figure some stuff out. Uh, the rest of their their schedule does not look any better than Utah's. 
because um, it's the same. Yeah, because it's basically <laughs> the same. Um, at UCLA, at USC, and then home against Utah. At least they get the Utah game in in Boulder, um, and then home against Cal, home against Stanford, at Oregon, at Oregon State. So. I don't know. I mean, they've got it. I think their path to a tournament spot is even harder than Utah's. They've got to win more of those games. They've got to go to get into the field where they are now, which is barely clinging on to Lenardi's next four outline. Um, they've got to beat. I think they probably have to beat UCLA and USA. I think they probably have to sweep the LA schools. I can't imagine a scenario in which they go one and one there and and are in and can figure it out from there. But they they've probably got to sweep. The LA schools. That's that's where we're at right now with Colorado. Um, any other thoughts about Colorado? Sad, sad stuff. Yeah, very very sad. Um, it's Utah and Colorado both are are in weird situations. All right, well let's get to the rest of the slate rapid fire. Um. Washington beat Oregon State, I guess, last night. I'm. We talked about a lot of games. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if I care about any of these. Washington did beat Oregon State, so congratulations to Washington, I guess. Sorry, uh, Oregon State fans. <laughs> uh, Stanford beat the shit out of USC, 99 to 68. You know, the only I saw only one highlight going around from this game, and it was a Bronny James dunk while they were down by like 19. It's like that meme. I don't know if anyone's seen that Chris Paul hits a huge three to cut the lead to 47 meme. That was, uh, <laughs> that's, that's what that Bronny James highlight was. Man, USC is really in the dumps right now. Uh, they do not look good. This has been a disaster year for everyone involved. I mean, Boogie Ellis has completely fallen off. Isaiah Collier, doesn't look that good. Uh, DJ Rodman, well, man, he could be at Washington State right now getting ready for a tournament bid. Um, tough stuff, honestly, all the way around for USC. So they are completely in the dumps. Andy Enfield needs to get fired after this. I don't know how you mm-hmm. don't uh, at, with this roster. Um, and then on Thursday, uh, Oregon beat Washington 85-80 to 80, um, in Eugene. Yeah, that's where we are. Oregon right now, I think, is, uh, you know, they all they also lost to Washington State, as we mentioned before, 62-56. So they're kind of in a weird situation. They're definitely, they're on the next four outline. They probably are going to be in the next line, in the considered line there in Joe Lenardi's bracketology, which means that they have a very, very outside shot at making the tournament. Reed, do you like uh, Oregon's chances at turning this around? I don't know. I think you look at each of these games individually that they've lost, and they're all explainable. Like, you lose to the Mountain Schools. You lose to Arizona at home in a game Arizona played and shot well. You lose at UCLA in a close one. Like we said, Wazoo, top two team in the conference right now. Um, That game on Saturday really came down to Oregon was 0 for 12 from 3 until, like, four minutes left in the game. Uh, Wazoo had him at arm's length and Oregon just could never muster a run and Folly Dante played great he played like one of the best players in the conference again but still as we keep talking about the guard play didn't show up and now it's just frustrating like I think Oregon fans are growing tired of Dana Altman a bit um, which is odd because he's been successful he's won 20 games every time he's every year at Oregon he's had a positive conference record every year since year one He's finished top half of the conference every year since year one. And yet there hasn't been much to show for it the past five years. Had a good team in 2020, tournaments canceled. 2021, 
they have a bye versus VCU because VCU gets COVID. They <laughs> That's like right. Beat, <laughs> I forgot about that. Beat Iowa, but you lose to USC. It's like, okay, that kind of just a tease there. And then the last two years, I felt like, I don't know, all the grind of the Will Richardson era just didn't amount to anything. And now it's another season where it's pretty good, but looks like we're going to finish outside the bubble again. And that's frustrating. And you can say Jackson Shellstad looks really good and there's another peak to build to there. But Infoli Dante's really good right now. And some other pieces are there too. So it's frustrating. I don't think it's enough to get Dana Altman fired this season or anything. But it's it's really frustrating to still be sitting on the outside of the bubble, um, even though you're a top half of the conference team consistently. Yeah, Oregon is a weird. They're they're a weird team because they really should be better than they are, and they're not horrid. You're right. You go down the list of the games, and you're like, that wasn't a bad game. That wasn't a bad game. That wasn't a horrible game. Um, but it's just all amounted to them not being able to finish, and they haven't really been able to finish in big games. We thought it was a Will Richardson problem the last couple of years. Turning out not to be. It might be a Dana Hallman problem. I'm curious to see what they do the rest of the season. I think that they've uh, they have some opportunities. They can certainly figure their shit out. Um, I, I think that their schedule lends them lends the them the opportunity to win out. I mean, they get Oregon State, Stanford, Cal. Those are all away, and uh, and then they get Oregon State at home. Their only real hard game is at Arizona. They can somehow. I don't. I, I could see them getting on a seven game win streak, but. That's what they have to do at this point. Um, they're even in a worse situation than maybe even a UCLA. Um, so Oregon, uh, they are they are in really dire straits. It's also kind of weird that several players now have been really paying attention to development recently, and it feels like several players are getting worse under Dana Altman. Uh, Will Richardson got worse under Dana Altman. Nafali Dante, I just think he hasn't been healthy enough to really assess that. But you know, he doesn't he doesn't always look like the the dominant player that he was supposed to be. Jermaine Cousinard has been good. Uh, he's like, you know, 50 years old at this point. So I'm glad to see his career has uh, lasted as long as it has. Guess we'll find out. Oregon has a lot of a lot of stuff to figure out. Um, on the women's side, mostly everything went chalk over the past couple of days. Um, the big result there, Oregon State beat Utah 58-44 in Salt Lake City in the, in the dreaded Huntsman Center. Big game from uh, Oregon State in that one. Greg, did you get to watch this one? I did get to watch this one, and let me tell you, it was miserable for every second of it. Uh, Oregon State just sort of sat on Utah. It felt like I never felt like Utah was the better team. Uh, Utah's just running out of steam. Alyssa Peely cannot keep doing this, you know? She was not great in this game. Uh, And it's understandable because she has the weight of the entire team. Yeah, it's a tough, tough look for Utah. I think that they have fine the, the their injury problems have finally caught up to them. Uh, Izzy Palmer is uh, obviously back in the lineup or back in the rotation. Well, hasn't really contributed much, but she's also coming off of injury, so I think that's probably fair. Reagan Beers looks awesome though. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reagan Beers is kicking ass. Great. Seventeen points, eight rebounds, uh, a block, and a steal in this game. Donovan Hunter continues her defensive uh, prowess. She's been an incredible defender. Talia Van Alphen, Van Alphen, uh, not a particularly great game from her, but she's been great at other times. This Oregon State team is starting to shape up into, starting to turn to look like a real national title contender. I think we had yep. some questions about them after they lose back-to-back games uh, at the LA schools, at USC and at UCLA. Since then, they're seven and one in that stretch with their only loss at Stanford. 
Um, they get another shot at Stanford later on in the season. They get at Colorado, home against UCLA, home against USC uh, in their next coming games. At Colorado today, which we're not going to be able to recap if you're listening to this on podcast or listening to this later on. Apologies to you. Um, that should be a, a big game. I, if they beat Colorado, sweep the mountain schools, and beat a, a really a, a Colorado team that's equally uh, in contention for a national title, that would that would really cement Oregon State's chance at uh, and its position as a real national contender. Pretty cool yeah. to see that Oregon State has emerged in this way. Oregon State men basketball fans, I know your season has been hard. I know you're sad, but your women's team is so good and could seriously win the whole thing. Go pay attention to them. If you live near Corvallis, go to their games. Like this is a really fantastic team and they're a ton of fun to watch. And you shouldn't have to be sad about men's basketball when you have this team on your campus. I would say the same for three of you, but women's basketball is not, not doing very well. It's <laughs> here for any of y'all's teams here. I mean, the Utah looked great, but going down, for a while. Down the drain but, slowly. Uh, things, things, They'll still be in the tournament, though. They will still be in the tournament. There's that. Uh, and Alyssa Peely is so much fun to watch sometimes. Mm-hmm. I guess she has not been great the past couple of weeks because, to your point, Greg, her knees are buckling under all the the weight that she's had to carry Um, yeah so other games that happened in women's basketball this week um, Colorado beat the shit out of Oregon as expected Oregon is basically everyone's punching bag right now that is really tough to see cannot imagine Kelly Graves lasting uh, the rest of the season USC beat Arizona State Arizona State another emerging punching bag so good job for USC Juju Watkins continues to tear everyone up Stanford barely got by Washington. That was a thrilling game. 63-59 in overtime. Washington just mucks everything up. Uh, and if they can just muck everything up just enough and have just enough offense, they can, they're can. they liable to beat anyone, but they, their offense has been horrid. you got to be able to score in college basketball. And Washington just doesn't do it enough. But they made Stanford play ugly, so there was that. Uh, Cal beat Wazoo. Uh, tough game for um, Wazoo, again, without Charlize Lager Walker, who had a season-ending injury about a week or so ago. Um, Washington State season is is looking pretty sad at this point. Heartbreaking stuff, because Charlize Ledger Walker looked like one of, one of the seven best players in the Pac-12. Uh, and then UCLA got past Arizona in an ugly game. Arizona... Only dressed eight players. Really, was only we're only supposed to play seven. The eighth <laughs> was in an emergency. One of their star players. She did end up playing in this game. UCLA missing a couple of players, but not nowhere near as bad as uh, Arizona themselves. So UCLA starting to look a little fraudy to me. They um, they're starting to look a little disappointing. They get Arizona State today um they should beat the shit out of arizona state if they don't we've got some problems um but then right after that they get at oregon state that game that's got to be the proof of game that's got to be the game to see whether they can figure it out ucla has i think the most talented roster in the pac-12 this is not this does not look like the best team in the pac-12 um i think that things are this has not been a a great a a great couple weeks for for the bruins here they're sitting at seven and four in conference play that's tied for fourth with usc um, it's tough. Things are things are really weird right now. But hey, Pac-12 wins basketball. I think still has three national title contenders: contenders in Stanford, Colorado, and Oregon State. I don't really trust Stanford the way that I would trust at Colorado or maybe even at Oregon State. But they've got uh, one of the best players in the country in Cameron Brink. So we'll see how that goes. All right, that's it. That's all we had. Um, real quick thoughts on the Pac-12. Just shifting over to the men's side, real quick. We want to talk about this Pac-12 men's basketball season. Uh, we talked about them maybe only having two tournament teams. Right now, Joe Lenardi would say they have three. 
Um, there is an opportunity here for, have, for them to have two. How are y'all feeling about this Pac-12 men's basketball season? You feeling feeling <laughs> good about it? I mean, it's it's weird because Reed, Reed has sort of brought up they've got a lot of teams in the occupying the middle uh, that are pretty decent and competent, but nothing at the top. I guess we could start this one with Reed. How are you feeling about the Pac-12 season, the way it's shaped out for the men's hoops? It's pretty much sucked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's it sucks to have this many teams right on the outside looking in. I think odds are when things finally shake out, we probably get to three teams one way or another. Whether Utah takes care of business the rest of the way, or someone comes out and upsets in a Pac-12 tournament, uh, I feel like Arizona, Wazoo, and one other is probably the most likely scenario. Yeah, uh, I think that is that is right. Uh, I think the Mountain West has more tournament teams in at this point so, than the Pac-12 that's does. So fucking embarrassing. Uh, yeah, Utah what State. What a horrible way to end it. Yeah. yeah, Utah State, San Diego State, New Mexico, Colorado State, and maybe even Boise State could get in. Nevada has a real shot at getting in as well. Um, great year for them. Bad year for the Pac-12. Um, Pac-12 basketball, men's hoops in particular. Uh, man, it's, I gotta say just like, we'll have our opportunity to recap this stuff when we go to Vegas and we'll get our little, little microphones out and talk a little bit about Pac-12 basketball season and Pac-12 basketball generally. I gotta say Pac-12 basketball, aside from that one electric year in 2021 has been, and in 2016 too, when you had a bunch of top 10 teams, um, has not been, uh, you know, it's, it's been pretty weak. It's been unfortunate to watch them go out this way. They don't really have, and even their best team, Arizona, is going to be a one seed. And I'd say it's a pretty weak one seed. I will say, I will say, Pac-12 basketball has sucked this year, but the tournament in Vegas is going to be fucking electric. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nobody has any idea what's going to happen there. Anything could happen. I could, like, how many teams have a, like, non-zero chance of winning the the tournament? Because I would say... Arizona State... Cal, <laughs> I think I think Cal more than a zero percent chance of getting. Yeah, I think Cal Cal could do the Oregon State thing. If I'm being honest, Cal Oregon could do the Oregon State, State thing. Do the Oregon State thing. <laughs> USC is USC is the only team. Yeah, that I'm I'm shoveling <laughs> her on the grave. They're trash. they're done. Washington too. Consider Washington. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even but though like, Washington did beat Utah by 25 uh, in, in in Seattle the other week. There are going to be like a total of two matchups in this tournament that we're not excited for. And so that's the one benefit. That's the one benefit of having a lot of teams that are like really close together in the middle is it's going to be a lot of fun for tournament style. But we were talking about the Pac-12 as like possible five bid league of like, I don't know, a month ago. (laughs) So it's it's really sad to be like, uh, maybe three, Mm -hmm. maybe. Speaking of the Pac-12 men's basketball tournament, uh, here's what the matchups would be if the season ended today. And uh, Arizona, Washington State, Oregon, UCLA would get the buys. They wouldn't have to play Wednesday. The Wednesday game would be uh, the 5-12 matchup would be Colorado, Oregon State. Then the 6-11 matchup would be Stanford, USC, followed by Utah, Washington, and then Cal, Arizona State. Some fun games there. Uh, Colorado, Oregon State as a first-round matchup. That Sign me up. That'd be, a, that'd be a lot of fun. Utah, USC would be great. So there'd be a lot of a lot of cool stuff. And then the winner of Colorado, Oregon State would have to play Arizona and then the winner of Stanford, whatever, you know, going down the line. So we'll see. I think the, the tournament will be a lot of fun, um, but uh, we'll see how many teams actually end up getting in. They got to get two. I think I imagine I think Washington State's going to stay there. I think Washington State is not going away. So I think they will get two. But things are weird enough that 
you know, a one-bid yeah. league is not totally out of the question. I think that would be horrendous. I think that would be a hor- mm-hmm. horrible, <laughs> horrible way to go out, but a one-bid bid league, not out of the question at all. Um, okay. Anyway, so um, that's it. That's all we had. Thank you very much for tuning in. Anyone else have any uh, Pac-12 basketball notes before we get out of here? Just we excited a, for we- Vegas. Any new updates about UCLA's coach? Is anyone is a Pete Thamel out there talking about uh, who they're? I haven't hire? seen anything. I haven't. Seen there was just either. a um, Feldman uh, post, a Feldman article. He said an interesting thing is that I guess they might have to. Chip Kelly argued for his assistance to get retained and get like a two year extension this winter, so the new coach might have to keep some of the assistance if they don't want to buy a lot of them out. Oh God. Are you shitting me? Good they fucking just, God. Just, they just got the Chip Kelly buyout money. There's no way they can't fucking, There's no way they can't pay. That's like, isn't that the situation that happened with Carl Durrell? Oh, that there's Colorado? something like that happened. Oh my God, really? That's a that's fascinating insight. What a fucking oh. shit show UCLA is. <laughs> that sucks so bad. Yeah. What? So Barry now, Odom as well from UNLP. That makes, that makes the job... He, so much less enticing too yeah so if it's i mean it's it's got to be shitty to be like you know troy taylor <laughs> or uh barry odom or tony white and you got to go in and hey uh kaika malloy has to be your dc um jerry Newheisel has to be your quarterback's coach like oh come on. what the fuck is going on here this is ridiculous anyway factual stuff uh all dead and gone so stupid um, anyway, uh, that's it. That's all we have for Pac-12 basketball. That's all we have for, I guess, the UCLA head coaching search. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for subscribing to our YouTube channel. If you haven't, please do that. Please, thank you so much for liking this video. For Greg, Reed, and Grapes, I am Carlos. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Homefields for sponsoring this podcast. And remember, there are no truck stops here. Not even one. Saxon, a quiet city street. Things aren't always great.